Coming up on Golf Today, Phil Mickelson in action this week in Palm Springs. So we open up the Phil file. What worked last year at the PGA Championship that didn't work the rest of the year? And what is a good season for Phil in 2022? D and I break it down. Plus, the great Mike Tirico joins the program to preview the divisional rounds of the NFL playoffs, the Winter Olympics, his wild February schedule, and how the heck he's prepping for all that's about to go down on the network. And with the LPGA returning this week, we focus in on Brooke Henderson and how a new rule change could affect the way she bombs it off the tee. What happens when the 48-inch driver goes away? For a player that's used one her entire career, Paige McKenzie opens the notebook on the Canadian. Today is National Popcorn Day, which means we'll be as salty as ever. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. And Golf Today on a Wednesday, Dave Mack alongside Shane Bacon. You mentioned National Popcorn Day. Folks making their way back to the movie theater once again. How do you like your popcorn? Because I don't want any salt or extra butter on that. Just the way it comes out of the popcorn popper is just fine for me. You know, I, I consider myself a popcorn expert. Oh, you do now? I do. I, do. I, uh, I used to work and sell popcorn when I was a kid. We had these <laughs> food stands when I was very young in East Texas. The Wonderland of Lights was this great oh, holiday man. festival thing you could go see. We'd sell popcorn, hot chocolate. I've been popping popcorn for a long time. You know today. popcorn. I'm a little nervous. I need, I need, I need a good amount of salt, oh. and I need a good amount of natural butter on my popcorn. Okay. We, we've been talking popcorn for like the last 30 we minutes have. here we before really the have. show got going, and you're saying you're more of a plain popcorn guy. Well, not plain. Like, I don't want it naked. I want it the way it comes out of the popcorn <laughs> popper. I don't want any extra butter. Have you seen the popcorn butter in the movie? Th it's like Too oil. much, too much. It's like sludge from my ta Tahoe or your Tahoe. That's fine. You can put that in your oil tank, but you don't want to put that in your food. You know, I have a, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old son and I have a dog, yes. and between the two, the dog eats about 800% more popcorn than the two-and-a-half-year-old, and I'm not exactly sure if that's what dogs should be eating, but I can't push Harlow away, obsessed with popcorn. You know what I'm having tonight? What's that? We're going to have some popcorn. Dogs are resourceful. They'll find their way to the scraps, oh. get their way. Scratch in my hands. Popcorn, Get it ready for some Phil Mickelson he chatter. Just, he's hit some salty shots yes, throughout he has. his Hall of Fame career. How about some glory days? They'll pass you by, but maybe not... For Phil, this is back in 2002. How much longer do you think we could have talked about popcorn before our producer yelled at us? Maybe 32 more seconds? Okay. I was going to give it another minute. We'll okay. get into the golf, though. This is, of course, 2002. We're talking about low scoring, D, yeah. early in this season. How about what Phil did in 2002? Yeah, the American Express. One of his happy places in the game to beat David Bragano Jr. in a playoff in 02. Then 2004, another playoff, another victory. This one against, you see the last name? On the academy, that was against Skip Kendall. Young Phil, young family flashing back. 30 under par in both of those wins, and this in 2019. I have been in that bunker. You have? I did not hit that shot. Any popcorn in that bunker? There's, there's a lot of things in the thing. <laughs> and you know what Phil Mickelson did? He walked up the face of the bunker, Just which is typically a no-no for golfers. He's young. He wants to show everybody that he can still do it and he has done it at the American Express you look at that career record a couple of wins you see the top threes top tens that low round of 60 so we know Phil Mickelson has had his great moments in this game but how about prior to the PGA last year not a lot of great moments yeah 2020 2021 was a wild one for Phil Mickelson I called it one of the strangest seasons in golf history last year of course Phil Mickelson then kind of responded on Twitter and I got dunked on. But this is what he did 
before the PGA Championship. 14 starts, not a single top 10 D mm. on the PGA Tour. Just two top 25s and missed six cuts. I mean, how is this guy coming into a major championship with any confidence? It was remarkable. He had no form whatsoever. So we open up the Phil Fogel back to Kiowa. This is the par three, fifth hole, second from the bunker. Our shot sheet says big crowd reacts. There was, there was a, there were reactions. <laughs> reactions were had. You know, that was kind of the moment. I, I think for the weekend, throughout that weekend, we were going, all right, this is cute. This is a fun story. Right. He's playing Brooks Kepka and Louie and all these superstars. Yeah. Eventually, he's going to hit one in the trash or do something that we'd seen from Phil earlier in the season. And he never did. When he made that bunker shot, I think that's when the belief really, really started. Gosh, it looked like he was playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers. I love the fact you brought up Brooks Kepka, popular American star in his own right, but look at the crowd, the gallery for Phil, their throaty roars reverberating throughout that golf course. I mean, Tiger Woods is the most dominant golfer we have ever seen. Phil Mickelson at least has an argument to be had for the most popular golfer we've ever seen, along with Tiger, along with Arnold Palmer. But you look at the crowns that have always supported Phil Mickelson, the longevity of his career. It's been easy to be a Phil Mickelson fan. You can be a fan in the mid-90s, in the 2000s, all the way through to 2021 when he picks up Another major championship, one of the most surprising wins in golf history considering where his form was. Part of his bio now, it's not just the, the flop shots and hitting bombs, it's the oldest major champ ever, and it's his longevity of his playing career. Now, some people thought, well, he would just kind of carry that great play Agreed. I throughout so. the rest of the year. Look at this. After the PGA Championship, we showed you what he did before the PGA Championship. Right. Ten starts, no top tens, one top 25. So if you add those up, there was one top ten. On Phil Mickelson's mm. resume last season, it was a major championship. It was a victory. And look at what he did throughout the season versus what he did at that PGA Championship. Kind of a baseball stat. You think of pitchers versus certain teams. This is Phil's season versus the PGA Championship. A lot of pluses on the right side of your screen. A lot of minuses in terms of strokes gained off the tee approach. Tee to green on the left. Par 5 scoring better at the PGA. Putting better at the PGA. So here we sit. January, 51 years of age, Phil Mickelson. We're opening up the file. What makes a good, successful 2022 for Phil? I'm going away. I don't think you're going to agree with D, and that's okay. fair. That's fine. That's part of the conversation. I don't look at Phil Mickelson in 2022 as needing a victory, and that is surprising considering mm -hmm. who he is. Phil Mickelson, Hall of Famer. Phil Mickelson, a guy that we're going to measure by victories and major championships. I look at 2022 kind of as a hockey assist year for Phil because I think he's still got five to eight years left considering his distance off the tee. He was 45th or 50, 54th last season on the PGA Tour in driving distance. That's more than Hideki and Jordan Spieth and Harris English and Taylor Gooch. I mean, go down the list, Justin Rose, that he hit it longer than. I think Phil Mickelson is still going to be able to bomb it off the tee. And you know he loves bombing it off the tee. But Phil Mickelson has to use 2022, in my opinion, hmm. as a year to find out what's going to work. What's the game that's going to work for the next four or five years? Because it's a gap year? Is it a gap year? Is it a it just, when, travel abroad? When I mean, you look it? at the resume last season, okay. he had one great week. And Phil Nicholson can find great weeks. That's the brilliance mm. of somebody this talented, that, that has this much talent, as he can find a week where four days it works. But I think for Phil Mickelson, he wants more than that. He wants to be consistent. He wants to be out there week to week in contention. Phil Mickelson looks miserable. When he's not in contention yeah, yeah. at golf tournaments, he wants to be in contention more. So for me, it's about finding something that can lead to consistency on the golf course because it has been so inconsistent over the last few seasons. I want more, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? I want contention at the Masters and I want a PGA Tour victory. 
I don't think that's asking too much for a 51-year-old World Golf Hall of Fame member who believes he has a window of great play still to come. And I mentioned the Masters specifically. He hasn't played that well of late. No top 10 since 2015. But he has three wins there, 11 top fives there, 15 top 10s. That's more than any other major. And I also want a victory somewhere. Maybe it's a happy place like this week. Maybe it's later in the season. I think Phil Mickelson wants to continue to stay relevant. You know he wants to play on the President's Cup team this year. He's already got great allies. Davis Love III looking at him in a different way than he might have a year ago at this time. Phil Mickelson isn't just out there to be waving at folks and, you know, making cool tweets and Instagram posts. I believe contention at the Masters specifically, where he hasn't played that well since 2015 when he was runner-up and also won PGA Tour win somewhere. I think Phil would obviously agree with your take more than mine. I okay. think Phil Mickelson wants trophies. He should want trophies. That's where you're at at this point in his career. But going back to, to kind of Phil Mickelson on the golf course week to week, okay. Phil Mickelson wants to have fun being a professional golfer as well. And Phil Mickelson has fun when he's playing good golf, when he's playing solid golf. I love what you said about the Masters. It's been surprising to see what Phil Mickelson do, has done at a golf course that he basically dominated right. for 15 straight seasons. Phil Mickelson has not played well around Augusta National. It's going to get tougher for these right-handed players to dominate Augusta National. The mm. golf ball just doesn't move right to left mm. like it used to. So Phil Mickelson has to look at this next five-year run as an opportunity to pick up another green jacket. I think Phil Mickelson has another green jacket in him. Obviously, things have to come together. Yes. And he's got to hope that a Jordan Spieth or a Rory McIlroy or a Colin Morikawa doesn't catch fire. But I think Phil Mickelson understands that if he can find a game that works for a week, a month, three months, six months, if he can find that golf game, because yes. it's in there somewhere, if he can find that, he's going to get himself in contention in the places he likes. Use your nostalgia and your knowledge of Augusta National and the emotion. He talks about how he feels driving down Magnolia Lane, and there's a subset of players like Tiger Woods, like Bernhard Langer, like Jack Nicklaus back in the day. When they arrive on property, they feel like they've already got a couple-shot lead on the rest of the field. I guess I would turn my question to you this way, though. Has the Wanamaker bought him extra time? A absolutely. I, I, and he doesn't have to do something special this year because he did something historic last year. It's the period on a career if he wants it to be. I mean, yeah. it, 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 possibly an exclamation mark. I mean, the fact that he ended it the way he ended it and became the oldest major championship winner of all time, absolutely it's bought him hmm. time. Hmm. But I also think it's bought competitiveness for him as well because yeah. now you understand you can win here. You know you can do it. You can do, do it. it again. And, and the game's not going to be different this year than it was in 2021. He's still got the distance. He's still got the power. He spends more time in the gym than he did yes. when he was in his prime. He understands his body. I mean, we look at Tom Brady, and we're going to bring up Tom Brady on the show a lot yeah. today because we've got a lot of comps for Tom mm. Brady, but this is a guy that worked better the older he got. Yeah. He got better understanding of the body and the diet and what he needs to do specifically for his body. Phil Mickelson seems like he's in a similar vein to that, and I think when Phil looks at these golf courses and some of these venues, places he likes, places he's played well in before, he has to understand that he's still got years left to compete. You can make an argument that Tom Brady's last two seasons are as good stat-wise, performance-wise, as we've ever as seen. they've ever been. And maybe Phil Mickelson will do something similar in 2022. Brings us to our social question of the day. What do you think makes a successful season for Philip Alfred Mickelson best responses will make this very we're going to put it on the show show we're gonna maybe, put, uh, maybe Tom Brady will weigh in does he get Twitter he's a little busy right yeah, now he's got some things going on speaking of Tom Brady what you got NFL super wild card weekend wrapped up we got divisional round coming up the great Mike Tirico 
joins us next to talk a little NFL playoffs and Winter Olympics and plenty of things. We'll also ask him about Phil Mickelson. Love it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Back on golf today, talking popcorn to start the show. You're going to get some popcorn as you get set for Super Bowl 56. Coming to NBC Sunday, February 13th, live from SoFi Stadium in L.A., you see that stadium? Is that thing cool uh, or what? I'm from LA. I'm a football guy. Should we get you I some tickets? This time of year. Perhaps make a call for me. Look at that. Bengals, Titans, Niners, Packers, Rams, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs. Interesting some heavy games matchup. coming up. And you mentioned that Bucks hosting the Rams. Rams look so good. They're all three levels of the defense. You got Donald, Von Miller looking spry, Jalen Ramsey. In the secondary, in the ageless, timeless one, Tom Brady of QB for the Bucks. Sunday, 3.05 p.m. Eastern on NBC, which brings us to our good friend Mike Tarico, who joins us on this Wednesday. Mike, it's great to see you, first of all. USA Today, by the way, has a story on you calling it an unprecedented hosting double Super Bowl and the Olympics. How are you going to pull this off? Uh, on the uh, shoulders and backs of the thousand people that work with us at NBC, right? <laughs> as you guys know, being in the building there every day, there's nothing we can pull off as individuals. We've got an amazing team, and from logistics to content, we were just on a planning call uh, early this morning about our plans for Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to start at 8 a.m. with uh, Olympic coverage and then the Super Bowl for most of the day and then the Olympics after. It's going to be quite something. So certainly with a lot of help from a lot of talented people, but who needs sleep on uh, Super Bowl Sunday when it's happening right in the middle of the Olympics? Extremely overrated is sleep as you prepare for the Olympics and the Super Bowl. You have one eye, of course, on the golf season as well. What are office mm -hmm. hours like right now? For Mike Tarico, is it one day football, the next day figure skating, kind of bouncing back and forth? It's every couple of hours, to be honest with you, going <laughs> back and forth, especially last week uh, getting ready to call the Bengals playoff game. I'm going to tell you, watch out for the Bengals in Tennessee. Uh, they could go to Nashville and win and find themselves against the Bills and the Chiefs winner on Sunday. I'm very impressed with that team. They got hurt up front on the D-line, but uh, impressed by that. And, yes, yeah, certainly making time as well. Watched uh, a little bit of the playoff uh, from the Sony Open, which was great. Watched the record-setting show at Kapalua. So this calendar part of this tour season is off to a banging start. And then this always feels like a week where, as the tour comes to the mainland, 
it starts to set it. Okay, we're watching them in the desert. We're going to watch them in California. And for those of us in the Midwest and the Northeast where it's too cold to play, you're just starting to think about it. new equipment, new shoes, where do I want to do my golf trips. So for me, this always feels like a week where we start to really dive into the meat of the golf year. And it's going to be a great year, I think, coming up on tour. Busy year, fantastic part of the sports calendar. You know, our colleague Chris Sims on Unbuttoned with Mike Florio said there are no truly great NFL teams this year, at least no dominant yeah. team. How wide open do these playoffs seem to you, Mike? In some ways they do because the season has felt like that. Everybody lost four times, so we're not used to seeing that. Usually we see a one- or a two-loss behemoth that looks unbeatable at home, and then the shocks happen, like the Packers lose a game at home last year and things like that. But I'll say, let's think back to the six games we saw this weekend, Damon. The home team won five of them. The only road team was the Niners because the Cowboys mismanaged the end of the game. Otherwise, it might have been all six home teams winning. One thing we always forget when we get to this divisional weekend, because we've seen these six teams now win to advance to, to get here, we forget uh, how good the two teams sitting on the side of the road were. So let's not forget Green Bay earned the number one seed. And I know what I just said about Tennessee before, but they earned the number one seed as well. This is usually the best weekend of matchups. And you can seriously sit here and make a legitimate, non-emotional reality that any one of these four teams can win the matchups that they are going, uh, eight teams can win any one of the four matchups going into this week. I think the teams are pretty close. It's turnovers, it's mistakes, it's uh, smart decisions, not just by players, by coaches, that end up determining the teams that are going to advance, especially this year at this time of the year. All right, Mike, I got to ask you about Tom Brady. I love talking about this guy. I'm fascinated yeah. by this guy. Yeah. He just continues to do it. He continues to produce. Don't bet against Tom Brady is one of my rules. What do you take away when you get a chance to talk to Tom Brady, what's the takeaway compared to possibly some other great athletes you talk to? Shane, the most intense, insane drive imaginable. The fact that he was picked 199 in the draft in 2000, 22 years ago, is still a massive chip on his shoulder and still drives him to this day. Uh, I was listening. I was driving last night to grab something to eat. And I was listening to my friend Jim Gray, who does a podcast on satellite radio with Tom Brady. And Jim was reading Tom emails from people who were haters. Like, Tom, you stink. Tom, you're no good. And, and Tom Brady was laughing like a kid. He loves it. He loves to be told, you can't do this and go out and do it. And what he's done is he changed a complete culture in Tampa Bay. He has, the reason the Bucks have an all-star team around him is because they all want to play with him. And no, no individual in the NFL right now has that kind of magnetic quality because we know when the game's on the line, it's the biggest moment, he's going to play the best. It's why we love Tiger. It's why we love Phil. It's why we love the great stars in the sport, in any sport. When the chips are all in there, that guy wants to be there and usually delivers and that's why Brady is the one when you say, yeah, maybe I'll pick somebody else in the NFC. You're like, am I really going to pick against Tom Brady? Have I not learned the last 30 times I've seen him in the postseason? He usually wins. You mentioned Phil Mickelson at one time told you're never going to win a major. Now he's got six of them, the oldest major champ of all time. We just had a chat, a robust one about Phil. What do you think constitutes a good, a good season, a good year for Phil Mickelson in 2022? I was listening to you guys, and it's it's fascinating. I, I love it. I, I love that at 51, soon to be, right, in, in the summer, that Phil is still a big part of our conversation. And you've got to mention him when you mention, can so-and-so win this? 
big event. Uh, we all remember Kiowa. Maybe we don't remember that there was no other top 15 the rest of the year on the PGA Tour, on the Champions Tour. He won a couple of times in, in those starts, and we should keep that in mind. I, I, think, I think let's start with that. Phil will win at least one, if not two majors, on the Champions Tour. And I know how good the guys are still there. But I think Phil, if he's playing five of them, he's got a great chance to win at least one or two. On the regular tour, is there a spot? Is there a place? Of course, you know that Phil has such a good feel for Augusta. If everything is dialed in and right, that knowledge around the greens always gives that age factor a little bit less, right? Same will be true at St. Andrews for the Open. Uh, Brookline as well, although most of the players haven't been there for a lot, but Phil was going back, obviously, to the Ryder Cup. So there are a ton of different possibilities out there. I think once or twice during the year, We'll see Phil's name on a final page of a leaderboard on a Sunday. I don't know if it's going to be a huge event, but I think we will. And those will be the fun, fun weekends, I think, of this golf season when we look back at it. What will Phil do next? The question is old as time. Hey, Mike, <laughs> listen, thanks for your time. Have a fun, busy month, and we'll speak to you soon. Always, guys. Can't wait, and then can't wait to turn around and get back going with the big events of the season. Start with the players. We look forward to seeing you all along, and I'll be watching you guys quarter zip on so I can match you guys <laughs> at any time. A little chilly in Connecticut. The great Mike Tirico speaking of chilly winter games. Coming to the networks of NBC. Love it, huh? Coverage from Beijing begins February 3rd. Looking forward to it across NBC platforms. And LPGA Tour begins its 73rd season tomorrow featuring tournament winners from 2020 and 2021. Brooke Henderson in the field and will be forced to make a change soon. How will this affect the major champ? We discuss with Paige McKenzie. Coming up. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bada ba ba ba. Valid one time on Friday. Except participating in McDonald's through 1231 Excludes tax. Must update rewards. Now, two big-time LPGA fans sitting at this desk. Wasn't that good? Get you hyped. Run that again. Right? 73rd LPGA season kicks off at Lake Nona Golf and Country Club with the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament 
0-0 champion. So it's time now for odds and ends, Shane. Odds and ends is welcome in Paige McKenzie. And Paige, uh, I just wanted to start with this week's event. Who do you have your eye on this week to go out there and make some noise? Uh, well, there's a couple players that are very much at the top of the odds boards as it relates to short odds. And the very top of the board is number one in the world, Nellie Corda. It may not be a surprise given the fact that she's number one in the world. But you also need to take into consideration that while Jessica Corda is technically defending her title at this event, this is the golf course that Nellie Corda won at last year when she won the Gamebridge LPGA. So that's why she sits at the top at plus 325. And then the other player that I'm looking at as well is Lydia Ko. And Lydia Ko was runner-up at the Gamebridge at this golf course, Lake Nona, last year. And she also makes her home course, or her home, uh, where she practices at Lake Nona. So this is a home game for Lydia Ko, as well as being number three in the world, having two wins worldwide last year. Uh, so those two sit atop the leaderboard, atop the, the odds board uh, as it relates to this week. Deep and talented field outside Orlando. I want to bring your attention, Paige, this tweet from buddy Brentley Romine yesterday. Brooke Henderson still choking down with a 48-inch driver shaft. She doesn't have to go to the 46 until March, so she's sticking with the longer shaft for as long as she can. What are your thoughts on what this major championship winner is facing right now? Well, she knows what works best for her game, and she's going to get the last little bit out of her 48-inch driver before that rule change is enforced. I spoke with her club manufacturer, Scott Wolpa, who gave me a little insight as to the challenges that she's going to be facing when she changes. And I think everybody within her, her close team doesn't think it's going to be a huge jump for her, but it certainly will be a transition as it relates to finding the new launch angle, uh, standing a little bit closer to the ball with a shorter club, as well as uh, nailing down a similar feel. She currently plays a D8 swing weight. Now, relative to the other LPGA players, that's more common right around D2, so a little different feel as well. Um, but those are some of the things that she's going to have to adjust as she transitions into the 46-inch driver, or, or I'm assuming she'll max out at 46, but I guess any length uh, shorter than her current 48, which she's been playing, Damon, since she's been 18 years old. She was playing a 47-and-a-half-inch driver when she first turned pro at the age of 17, but the entirety of her LPGA career has been in this 48-inch length. Yeah, Paige, it's funny. We both reached out to folks at Ping. I caught up with Christian Pena, director of tournament players, with Ping yesterday. And one thing he said was that she's already been practicing with the 46-inch shaft, and the folks at Ping are working with her, and they know that it will be a transition, but they already feel very positive about it. And Christian said, listen, 48-inch driver, 46 or 40. She's one of the best players in the world, Shane, and she will find a way. They're going to say that, but I mean, this is going to affect a player ninth on the tour last season in driving distance. Mm. This is going to inevitably make her hit the ball a little shorter. Mm. She could potentially pick those numbers back up, but when you're someone, as Paige said, that's been using a length driver for your entire career, having to change something, think about the anchor band and the way players had to go about that with putting. This is going to affect Brooke mm. Henderson as much as it affects anybody in professional golf on the male side and the female side. And for Brooke Henderson, it is about getting comfortable in that gear. She's going to be spending time, you know, during practice and practice rounds, using that driver yeah. to get comfortable with it. But you think about Anthony Kim, 
back in his crime. Yeah. Anthony Kim was a guy that loved that feel of choking up on a golf club. Brooke Henderson is a player that loves the feel. It's just as much about the feel as it does about what that does for your golf yeah. game and the distance you can get out of it. So when you change anything for a golfer, it is going to take time for it to work in practice, and then it's going to take time for that to work out on the LPGA Tour. So, again, this is the player that's going to be affected by this the most. What do you think, Paige? Because I remember this is something Webb Simpson had to go through, and Keegan Bradley talked about the thousands of hours put in with the anchored putter and having to do it a different sure. way. What are your thoughts on kind of how long this transition might take for Brooke? I, it'll, well, it'll be an immediate transition, and I think she'll be fine. I think the, the biggest... I don't want to say issue or question mark, is the fact that this has been her biggest asset. She was ninth in driving distance last season, third in total driving with that combination of accuracy and distance. So she, this is her, her power horse. This is how she creates an edge against the majority of the rest of the field. And I think that's what's so unfortunate about her being forced to change is she mastered this. This wasn't something she tinkered with. This wasn't something she tried once or twice. This has been a a, a component of her game that has been very important to her success. I mean, again, I think she's going to be fine moving forward, but when she did make that change from the 47-and-a-half-inch driver to the 48-inch driver, she talked about how she gained 10 yards, potentially 15 yards when she hit it well. Now, there may have been some physical changes that went along with that, but that is part of who she has been on the LPGA Tour, is being able to take advantage of a great driver. Paige, when players are forced out of something in their golf bag, you know, you can change clubs, you can change equipment, you can change golf balls, but when you're forced to change, it's a different type of situation for professional golfers that spend so much time perfecting all 14 clubs in their bag. It is, and I think the, the current rule was meant to prevent more players from starting to adopt it. I think it's just unfortunate for a player that had already adopted it and had been successful at it to then feel like you're backpedaling. And I, I don't, I, I, she's a gracious person and as classy as they come, but if it were me, I, I would feel a bit targeted by this local rule that doesn't seem to affect very many players on the LPGA Tour, yet the LPGA Tour is instituting it. Uh, again, I don't anticipate that would be her reaction. That's just my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of reactions, we've got this. Speaking of distance and where professional golf is going, this from Colin Montgomery on the state of the games. You see this, tease talking about distance, said there's a one-dimensional quality to it these days. It was never the case back in my day. I know I sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but golf never used to be one-dimensional. It's not the same now. It's all about brute force. Colin Montgomery talking about going to these driving ranges now and seeing all the players focusing on one thing and one thing only. And you see in the quote, he said, Nick Faldo would not be the same. Luke Donald would not be the same. I would not be the same player if it was like this when I was around. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what Colin Montgomery was talking about when you look at the modern state of professional golf. Vijay Singh is a player who likes to stay in his own bubble when he's on the range working. To watch Vijay Singh watching Bryson DeChambeau 
It drivers point. told me all I needed to know about where we are in this game. And all the equipment, it's not just the, the drivers and the equipment reps and all the things you see at the ranges of PJ Tour events. It's all of the, the doohickeys and the technology that they have. And I want to take a look at the top 10 in the world on the men's side. Okay. And, and see how it relates to driving distance in terms of the rank. You look at the top 10. Bryson DeChambeau is going to be on that list in the top 10. Rory McIlroy is in the top 10. And look at this. Half of this list, they're either 22nd or better half the list. in driving distance. That's half the list. You see how important it is. You see Colin Morikawa, truly an outlier. We know how superior he is with his irons. And you compare this to the women's game. Let's put up the top 10 in the world in the women's game, and you'll see that only three players are at 22nd or greater in terms of driving distance. Look at NB Park. H.J. Kim, look at Daniel King, is 100. So you do have Nelly Corder, yes, you do have Young Kim, Min Lee. For the most part, it's a much more diverse you know, level of play in that top 10 versus the men's game. And I think that's what Monty is talking about. I mean, it's true what Colin Montgomery is saying. I mean, yeah. We're obsessed with distance. I keep going back to the U.S. Open that Bryson won at Wingfoot because when you talk to people that knew the golf course, members at Wingfoot, yeah. and the approach to this golf course, you can't overpower Wingfoot until Bryson showed up. And it was overpowering it through the hole. It wasn't just off the tee. He was using his power from the rough with nine irons instead of seven irons and seven irons instead of five irons. This is why Giannis is shooting threes right now. Mm. This is why the NFL is going forward on fourth and one and fourth and two, even in their own territory. Analytics are saying hit it as far as you can hit it. Go find it and figure it out after. The idea of bomb and gouge has been around for a long, long yeah. time. But the way golf is played these days is, in theory, a bomb and gouge game. If you can hit it as long as anybody out there, you're at a massive advantage. Mm. I go back to Bay Hill. We've shown the video of Bryson at Bay Hill a trillion times yeah. on this program. But I go back to the statistics about it. He picked up a shot, nearly a shot on the field from one tee shot. Yeah. One tee shot in one round on one day. That's the importance of distance. And when you go to these driving ranges now and you hear from players like Rory McIlroy, who is and was one of the longest players yeah. in professional golf, chasing the idea of hitting the ball longer, what more do you need to know? What more evidence do you need? If Rory's chasing distance, everybody yeah, understands how important it is. got to think. So what do you think, Paige? Have we replaced the paintbrush in golf with too many bazookas? Is that where we are now? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. I think there's a couple of things that have been a game changer. I think the ball has been a huge game changer as it relates to that. Uh, and I think data has been a huge game changer as it relates to seeking distance. Even Bryson uh, has been quoted as saying he was working with Mark Brody, the data analytics guy, and his coach Chris Como, and they came up with uh, a formula, or he says, well, if you gain, let's say, three yards off the tee, you can be six yards more offline. So it's this kind of data and analytics that is pushing the game forward and understanding where the scoring is happening on the PGA Tour. I'm curious to see, as the technology continues to increase on the LPGA Tour, whether that is going to change how it's played on the LPGA Tour. I would say the vast difference between the men and the women's game, as you pointed out, is actually that the women play technically longer golf courses. And by that, I mean they're hitting longer clubs in. So there may be more penalty if they are offline, if they are not in the fairway, uh, because a longer club out of the rough may be more difficult. But again, that we're waiting for the data to catch up on the women's side to really tell us and illuminate what's going on on that tour. Yeah, strong words from Colin Montgomery, member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. We'll see what the numbers tell us in 2022. We appreciate Paige McKenzie joining us.
Dan coming up on golf today. Back to the filing cabinet. We open up the file. John Rahm look back at his 2021 and ask what will a good 2022 look like for the world number one. And speaking of former world number ones, how the World Golf Hall of Famer, ageless, timeless Bernard Langer hops on to talk goals and accolades at the age of 64. And you can't touch this. It's hammer time. Cole Hammer, University of Texas stud, joins the program to talk college life. Just put on the hammer and you will be rewarded. My beat is ever booming. And you know I get it started. Let's get it started. That's a way to start the show. Shane and Damon for the second hour have had a busy, busy first hour. And, you know, top of the hour, time to top, top player in the world. Time to talk world number one, John Rahm. And I'll keep bringing this up until I see something different. And maybe we have a new audience, perhaps. Kohler watching John Rahm throwing his weight around Ryder Cup. at the Ryder Cup. I, I looked at him in a different way. I was like, wow, this man is the best player in golf. Team performances aside, individual mm. performance from yeah. John Rahm that week, he was at times and for most of the week the best player yeah. in golf. Of course, Dustin Johnson could make claim for that at the Ryder Cup as well. But John Rahm is one of those guys, and we'll get into it in a bit. John Rahm is one of those players that is so complete – it's almost like he has to win golf yeah. tournaments. Fun player to talk about. Let's flash back to 2018. John Rahm won the American Express in a playoff over Andrew Landry after they tied at 22 under 266. Rahm shot 62 in the first round, eventually beat Landry with a birdie on the fourth hole of a sudden death playoff. Interesting 2021 for John Rahm. Wins a major world number one, but of course, you remember all that happened, this at the Memorial, finishing round three with a big, big lead. Gets told immediately after walking off the 18th green that he would not be able to complete the tournament. COVID positive, and John Rahm kind of swept off the golf course. And, you know, we're sitting there going, this is going to be one of the more dominant performances of his career. Yeah, and it might have wrecked some players, thrown them off their game two weeks later. U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, one of his favorite places on the planet. Rom holds two long oh, putts. Goodness. We want to talk about left to right breakers. Supposedly hard for a right. This doesn't player. happen. I mean, this, doesn't happen. this is the thing. You don't birdie the last two holes to win major championships. You definitely don't birdie the last two holes to win U.S. Opens. Yeah. Go back to Tom Watson at Pebble Beach, the last player to birdie the 17th and the 18th. And Rom does it when he had to do it. Put the pressure on the leaders. Waiting for someone to establish himself on that Sunday. And boy, did he get after it. How about two championship final round, 18th hole? Rom second, just off the back. Okay, all right. These guys hit shots at the flag much? I mean, my goodness. Doesn't matter the iron. Doesn't matter the number on the club. Yeah, wasn't able to catch Patrick Cantlay. Lost by a shot, but he was in the mix week after week, time after time. He was exhausted at the end of 2021. D, the, the floor is yours here. I mean, this is right what you want to talk about. I mean, we spent that week together some live from the Ryder Cup and I just was like okay I want to watch him in person a little bit and see this player even though Europe was getting trounced I was watching John Rahm and seeing him in a different way all of the clubs were working all 14 driving it irons short game putter everything in working order talking about in my opinion the most clutch modern golfer there is he's 2-0 in playoffs both those playoffs he's won with birdies and of course with the good comes the bad we've seen John Rahm struggle out on the golf course shot 78 74 DP tour 
His first trip back to Spain as a major champion, then Century Tournament of Champions a couple weeks ago. That birdie at the 17th, he had himself a run. He just one guy was better. Yes, indeed. Now John Rahm meeting the press out in the California desert. I'm happy to be back. You know, it's a place I've been coming to for a very long time. Played in college, uh, played the Nicholas course a couple of times in college, and played one of the other PJ courses as well. So, you know, I feel comfortable. I live in the desert, so um, I always look forward to coming here and, and hopefully having a good week. You had a runner-up finish two weeks ago at Century. Can you mm -hmm. just talk about the state of your game right now heading into this week? Yeah, I never thought ever in my career I would shoot 33 under and not win. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a bit of a bittersweet feeling because can't help to feel good about game and how good I played. Uh, but I still finished second by one shot, right? So it was uh, a bit of an out week to say the least, but it was a great start to the year. You know, uh, every time you start and you have new clubs, uh, even though they might work on the range when you're at home, you know, they need to be tournament tested. And, you know, I was happy that things were, were working properly. John Rahm back on the golf course this week, D. You look at 2021 from John Rahm, and when you dive into the stats, and this is why we praise the guy so much. This is why he's world number one. Second, strokes gain off the tee. Eighth, strokes gain approach. First, strokes gain tee to green. First, strokes gain mm. total. And then maybe the stuff that... He's not as quote-unquote sharp as he is off the tee at the Irons. 42nd wow. and around the green, 42nd in strokes gained putting. This is what we're talking about. This is the modern golfer. And we're watching him get better and better, I feel. And there's a lot of projection about what his professional career would look like. And now we're starting to see it come to fruition. He is a major champ and a star in this game. When you look at last year, the way he bounced back, from the COVID WD to win that major championship. And I love the fact that when we look ahead to 2022, that he's not satisfied. He knows that one win in his last 28 starts, which is what he has, is not enough. And he knows that there was an opportunity at Century a couple of weeks ago. He was asked by Steve Burkowski, you know, do you take some positives? He goes, yes, but I bemoan the mistakes on Sunday when he had chances to make birdies on one two, and three. And the mistakes earlier in the week and the fact that he was staring across from Cameron Smith and couldn't take him out. That's what number one players in the world do is they have the opportunity and they get it done. I love how he throws his weight around. I love the stats. In many ways, historic type of stats. He needs to win more. And he will articulate that and say that. And I'm glad that he's not just satisfied with beautiful numbers. He wants beautiful trophies as well. So looking at 2022 and John Rahm specifically, what is a good season for John Rahm? We're breaking down all these players. What's a, what's a good season? What's a great season for John Rahm? I want three victories. Three wins. Three wins for John Rahm of any stripe we're around the world. And you might say, well, why not a major? I think the major box was checked last year, and I think he will be in contention and, and likely win a major this season. But for me, it's the volume of victory that I want to see from John Rom and that he wants to see from John Rom. And I love the fact that Burko could ask that question and he could say, you know what, I don't feel very good right now because I know I had an opportunity to win. He wants to be an historic player. He's very well aware of what Tiger Woods did and Jack Nicklaus and Seve Ballesteros. And when he won in Europe a couple years ago, in the Middle East specifically, he talked about, I want to be a historic player, an all-time great. And we can talk about winners who didn't win, which we do sometimes on golf today. And we praise those types of players. And we praise those types of players. But John Rahm wants to be an all-time great, needs to win more. Three wins for me. How about you? Well, 
it's interesting that we're talking about Phil Mickelson and John Rahm on the same day mm. and kind of breaking this down. First of all, they both went to that other school that in other Arizona. School. Yes. But, you know, I mean, John Rahm and Phil Mickelson had completely different years. And how many wins did they both have? Wow. The same wins, right? I mean, John Major. Rahm picking up a one win and yeah. Phil Mickelson picking up one that? win. And you're talking about Phil Mickelson have no other top tens and Rahm seemingly being in contention each and every week. For me, it is the majors. And, and I've, I haven't talked about major wins for players having to have to have a good season mm -hmm. during these segments yet. For me and John Rahm, it is about major championships, and it's because of what he has done in the major championship. His last 12 majors, last 12 major starts. This isn't four out of seven or three out of 12. These are all 12 majors. He has a victory. He has five top five finishes. He has eight top tens. 11 of the 12 times he's finished in the top 25. Mm. This is next level stuff. This is a next level player, and he is, to me, the type of player that wants to be talked about like Rory is and Jordan Spieth is and Brooks Kepka. And if you want to be talked about like Kepka and Spieth and Rory, you got to win majors. I think he'll win another major this year, and that to me is a good season. He's someone who mentions Tiger Woods a lot. And he was asked earlier this year about what Tiger has meant to this generation in terms of how they prepare and the equipment they have and the workouts that they do and their expectations on being great. Listen, when you talk about sports, you talk about the Yankees and the Packers and the Lakers and the Celtics and Tiger and Jack. And, and that should be the standard. And Tom Brady, not that everyone can reach it, but you want to chase it. You want to be great and remembered and historic. They're all making good money out there at the highest level of the game. I think that these players, like a Justin Thomas and a John Rump, they don't sleep well when they finish third. They don't sleep well when they come home with a T6. And I love that about that because that separates them from saying it's not enough just to be in contention. It's not enough to have 12 top 10s or 11 top 10s in a year. They want to be remembered for all time. To be a great, you said it, third and second isn't good enough. Yeah. It's just not good enough. And when you look back on a career and you go, man, I played great at that Masters or, man, I played great at that Open Championship. I finished third. I got close. Missed a couple of putts late. Maybe that happens 10 years from now. But right, right. now, John Rahm understands that when the golf courses get tough and the championships are elevated, yeah. he tends to play his best golf. Going back through those major stats, this is a guy that's there every single time. I think he's going to be there every single time again. Find me a golf course that doesn't set up well for John Yeah, Rahm. and I think there's finally we're starting to see a maturity to him. And at some time, he would beat himself, I think, with his temper. I think that is, you're not going to lose the fire. Right. You know, if you talk to. You shouldn't lose you the shouldn't fire. You shouldn't lose the fire. That's what I was say. The sports psychologist will say you, you have to have that, that energy and something that kind of brings you to the gym in the morning or takes you to the range late in the afternoon. He has that. He has every club in the bag, every shot in the bag. We saw it up close in, in Wisconsin, and I think he'll continue to play that way, but he wants to close it out just a little bit more. One of the rare players that doesn't need the hot putter week to mm. win. One of those great oh. new players that doesn't need to have a great putting mm. week. He just has to putt like he usually putts. Speaking about a great young player mm. with all the potential in the world, you know Cole Hammer. Hammer. University of Texas. We're going to chat with Cole Hammer. We're going to ask him about The Bachelor, and then we're going to quiz him on some Hammer-related yes. questions. That next. Back on Golf Today, time now to reveal the latest PGA Tour University Velocity Global Rankings. You got college seniors looking for pathways to professional golf. One through five strong list of names right there, led by Sam Bennett. A little battle for Texas up top. Did you see oh, that? Yeah, University of Texas, that? Texas A&M, and OU right there. Yeah, it's a lot no. of no. animosity. Yeah, they're not big fans. <laughs> Texas, Texas A&M don't get along well.
SMU in the mix. It's, it's just great to see these young players that have just extra reason to stay in school and you know, find your way to the next level. A lot of great play in the amateur world. None better than Cole Hammer. This kid is a stud. He's got all the game in the world. He's going to make a lot of noise in the professional ranks. Already making the noise, not just in the amateur world, on the Walker Cup mm. team this in 2019. Look at those pants. Yeah, hey, you I'm, think he kept those pants? Akshay Batia was there too. I mean, that, these teams are Agastad team. Agastad, you got Texas winning the East Lake Cup. You see on Golf Channel, I was back in 2019. You see the Hook'em Horns. That was Cole Hammer now, doing that. I'm going to say this: an upgrade of the pants from the last pick. I really yeah. like these red pants. This, of course, the Walker Cup in 2021 at Seminole. Cole Hammer integral in that as well. Played in his first Open Championship in July. That was yeah. his fourth major championship. He's not even a pro yet. It's like very sneaking up on Bernard Langer with the amount of uh, major <laughs> championship starts. Look at his career bio. Qualified for the 2015 U.S. Open at the age of 15. Won the Western and the U.S. Amateur Four Ball back in 2018. Gore McMadal in 2019. Leading player in the World Amateur Golf Rankings. Individual collegiate wins including the NCAA Regional in 2019 and the Big 12 championship in 2021 you know what Cole right there, there. He is. joins us now Cole I'm going to start out on a bit of a low note here how is the Texas team going after the unfortunate situation with the Cootie boys yeah there's no question that it's unfortunate um we only have seven guys on our team uh ex excluding them right now so uh, we're trying hard to you know find five guys to to go play our first few tournaments, but uh, luckily the Cooties will, will be back mid-season and we should be good to go from there. But um, we're working hard and looking forward to starting the year out strong. No doubt Coach Fields and you guys finding a way to get it done. Cole, so you've played in like three U.S. Opens already. What's the biggest takeaway from those experiences competing in the toughest test that golf can offer? So I played my first one when I was 15. So we can go ahead and throw that one out because <laughs> I, I did not know up from down uh, when I was playing in that thing. Uh, so really my first major experience was uh, wing foot um, and that because of COVID, there was no fans. And then Torrey Pines this year uh, was probably the closest experience to a major championship that I've had in it. Uh, that and the open championship at St. George's this year were incredible experiences that you know, I mean, I can take that back to college golf and amateur golf any day of the week and um, feel feel prepared um, after, you know, playing in front of cameras and playing against guys that you look up to and uh, that I've always wanted to compete against. Cole, we brought up some quotes from Colin Montgomery today about distance being the main focus of the modern player. You've been up close with some of the young superstars now out on the PGA Tour. You yourself, a young stud. How important is distance to the collegiate golfer right now? Uh, it is a race to the finish. There's no question about it. P people are doing everything they can to, to swing faster and hit the ball farther. And, um, you know, I would say I am on the bottom side of uh, the distance chain right now uh, and something that I, I probably need to, uh, you know, work out a little bit. Um, but, you know, that's that's not necessarily my game. Uh, I tend to uh, do do my best around the greens and on the greens. So uh, it's a it's a goal of mine to start swinging a little faster, but I don't think it's everything in the game. For a young man, you've already had so many incredible experiences 
in your young career. And, Chloe, i got to tell you, one of our producers, Chloe, was surfing your Instagram page last night and dug up a great photo with you and Tiger and company at Sage Valley back in 2016. What do you remember about that experience? That's a really cool spot, by the way. I remember, so it's Cooper Dossie on the left there. Yeah, he's one of my good friends. And uh, I remember Tiger showed up for a clinic uh, the night before that uh, to put on for us at Sage Valley. And uh, it was like, you know, I was starstruck. It was the first time I'd ever been starstruck before. And to have him announce us and stand on the tee uh, while we were hitting our first tee shots, uh, I think it was maybe the first or second round was, was really special. And um, I was definitely nervous on that tee shot. He's been my golf idol since I was, well, since I can remember playing golf. He was my first golf memory, making that putt at Torrey Pines in 08. And, uh, you know, to, to meet him on the, on the first tee there was uh, something I won't forget. Cole, uh, I dug up a, a take of yours. Brentley interviewed you back in 2020, and uh, you said you, you hate cheese. I, I'm not sure I've come across a human that not, it's not you don't like cheese. It's that you hate cheese. So first, when did the hate of cheese begin, and how do you eat your pizza? Shane, we'll put it this way. I've come a long way since then. I like I've to hear people that. people along the way uh, pushed me to try it. Uh, I was, you know, totally closed off from trying anything new. And so now I will eat cheeseburgers. <laughs> I will eat pizza. Uh, the, only, the only cheese that I, I will not touch for the life of me is cold cheese on, on a sandwich or something like that. So, I mean, I, I, I'll do a lot of things in this world, but that is one thing that I will not do. What about goat cheese? You know, the real stinky <laughs> cheese, like comp cheese? He's out. He's out. You're not doing the stinky cheeses. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> we, we, right. we might as well stop talking about cheese at this point because <laughs> no chance. All right, no more cheese talk. How about hammer time? This is how it's about some great hammers. By the way, your name, great Cole name. Hammer. I mean, one of the great names in sports. Agreed. Tiger Woods, you know, Bryce Harper. I think Cole Hammer belongs in that great list of names. So we have some hammer trivia for you. In what state was MC Hammer born? Uh, well, I've got 50 ch chances, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, I have no idea, but I'm going to go with Florida. Mm, big state. Big state. A lot of sunshine. I, I knew you were going to work to yeah. get a lot of closer people. to the A lot of people. State. California. California. From Oakland, California. Florida's a good guess. I was, I, was, I was between the two. Oh, man. All right. How about the well-known baking soda with hammer in the name? Big in the 70s and 80s, you put it in the freezer, keep everything fresh. What's the name of that baking soda? Arm and Hammer? There you yeah, go. right. right. There you hey, go. hey, there hey. He was, you know what? He was nervous about this segment. Now he's comfortable. Now he's locked I, I in. i to give him a little layup yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, right. This one's tough. This one's tough. The length of the longest yeah, thanks, hammerhead shark in feet. The length of the longest hammerhead shark in feet. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with 18. Oh you know what? Ooh. The answer is 20. It's He's a, a golfer. It's 18's a kind of on the brain. I'm gonna say that's a win. A eight, 18 to 20. Yeah. Cole, I got one for you. Okay, you you cannot step in. Do you mind? Step in, please. Uh, okay. Cole, you you've got you're playing blackjack and you've got 16 and the dealer's showing a 10. Are you staying or are you hammering that 16? What are you doing? <laughs> We were actually playing the other night at the house, and I was on a hot streak, and I, I hit, but I, I'm normally pretty conservative. I think I'd stay. Okay, that's fine. Bus. That's fine. You don't have to hammer. Consistency, You though. have to be consistent with that. That's what the book says. Okay, consistency. Stay consistent. Cole, we appreciate the time. And by the way, 
the whole interview, I didn't ask you Bachelor stuff. You got to be impressed by that. You got to get caught up. You got to come back on soon and we can talk about The Bachelor. I know. I can't wait. I'm sure I'll have a bunch of takes for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's I love Hammer Time. Cole Hammer, thanks for the time, pal. What a young stud. And speaking of young studs. I'm going young. Bernard Langer. Forever young. Have we ever had him on this show Get Jay-Z on the line. <laughs> My gosh. Another this accolade guy, this coming guy his way. He keeps going, and he keeps going, and he keeps winning, and he keeps winning. on golf today with a little news after an impressive season in which he posted 24 top 10 finishes including two wins Bernard Langer named the recipient of the 2020-2021 Jack Nicklaus Award as the PGA Tour Champions Player of the Year after winning his historic sixth Charles Schwab Cup. Go through his year. Just look at the summary of this legend. Two wins, four runner-up finishes, 24 top 10s as D said. Scoring average 68.96 second on PGA Tour champions led the tour in earnings of course sixth career Charles Schwab Cup most in tour history oldest winner in PGA Tour champions history they just continue mm. the accolades continue and he joins us now one of our favorite guests one of our only recurring guests <laughs> if you will from Hawaii and I've been thinking a lot about you over the last 24 hours I've got an athlete comp for you. You're golf's Tom Brady. You're, you're never satisfied. You're always pushing yourself, and you're always looking ahead at the next season, the next tournament, the next victory. What are your thoughts on the Tom Brady comp? Well, that's uh, one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten because he's uh, incredible. I mean, what Tom is doing out there, no matter which team he's playing for, uh, you know, he's in the hunt for the Super Bowl, and, and that's incredible. I love watching him, and uh, his work ethic is unbelievable. Do you get motivated by other great athletes across sports, whether it's LeBron, whether it's Tom Brady? I mean, you have your own way of going about your business, but how much does seeing other great players in different disciplines give you energy and fuel as well? Oh, it definitely helps, uh, Damon. definitely motivates me because it shows it's, it's possible in their own realm. I mean, they're not – Tom Brady is not going to play at age 60, but what he's doing uh, in his age is uh, just unheard of. And uh, yes, it definitely motivates me. And I, I think we're going to see, especially in golf, that you're going to have uh, older, older players having more success. We saw Phil Mickelson win a major uh, at, at age 50. And you're going to see some more of that. I think the guys are staying in better shape. Uh, their techniques are getting better. Uh, they learn more about uh, how to eat and how to take care of the bodies, and which will you know, uh, give them more longevity. How about your back specifically? You think about lower back pain, it's the bane of golfers everywhere, middle-aged folks uh, across different ages. What have you done to protect your back through all the years? Well, that's a great question. I was actually very unfortunate. Uh, I hurt my back in, when I had to do the military service in Germany. I was uh, in the Air Force and basic training. I, I heard it. I had two bulging discs, and uh, that was at age 19. So I've been battling a, a bad lower back and neck, uh, what, for over 45 years now, and been very blessed and fortunate to, through some exercises and uh, careful how I lift things, uh, that I'm, it, it's almost a miracle that I can still play 
competitive golf. If you think of all the millions of golf balls that hit on the range and around the world uh, over those last 45 years, uh, it, it's really unbelievable. And then, you know, people come to me and, and ask for advice on, on back issues. And I show them a couple exercises. I tell them my story and I give them lots of hope because you don't always have to have surgery and it doesn't always mean you're done. Actually, I believe golf is not that bad for the back if you have a proper technique. And my coach, Willie Hoffman, who actually passed away two days ago, and I'm very sad to have heard this story, had a stroke. He coached me for 45 years, but he had the foresight. When I was in my 20s and early 30s, he said, Bernhard, I want you to play well in your 40s and 50s and 60s and so on. And to do that, we're going to have to change your swing. We're going to have to get away from the reverse C finish and cover the ball more. And that was uh, incredible from him to realize that and help me change my swing little bit by little bit over, you know, a period of five to 10 years, still staying competitive every year. Because sometimes when you make drastic changes, you get lost and you lose it, you lose your confidence and your game is gone. But he did it just bit by bit, and I was in contention throughout all these years. And over a period of time, my swing got a lot better, and not just my swing, but my back is uh, actually better because of it. Your golf swing changing, golf in general is changing. We brought up some quotes from Colin Montgomery today on the program about distance, the idea of golf being one-dimensional for the young players. Just interested in your thoughts on what he had to say about golf and young players and what they're focused on as they're practicing. I will say, I, I'm sorry, I thought we we're going to listen to what he said, but uh, I agree with him. The, the game of golf has changed dramatically. It's uh, mostly about distance now. So when young guys grow up, they're taught to hit it far, I believe. And then once you hit it far, then you learn to control it somewhat and maybe give up a couple of yards. But uh, everything is being fine tuned from the shaft to the head to the spin rate, the launch angle. Uh, you know, they can measure how strong certain muscles are and where you're lacking and where you're good. Uh, and that's how it has been in many other sports. But uh, when I go back to my youth, we didn't have any of that. We just, uh, you know, if we got a new driver, you had to take it out on the course and compare it to your old one. Now you hit three shots on the launch monitor and you know if it's has any hope or not. Uh, so things have really improved a great deal, but the distance is so important nowadays. Um, and uh, if you don't have it, you got to be so much better in the other areas of the game, which is, you know, potting, chipping, bunker, thinking your way around all that. And, and it's still, <clears throat> even if you are, it's still difficult to compete on certain courses where length is just dominating. Bernard, I was struck by something you said earlier, you know, freely giving advice about golfers and protecting their back. Earlier this week, I talked about a quote that Peter Corda said uh, during the PNC when he was asked about kind of the secret sauce to the Corda family success. And he said, I'm not going to share what we talk about around our kitchen table. You know, where do you draw the line in terms of being free with your advice to maybe competitors, but not letting them know everything in terms of the secrets to your success? Well, I'm willing to share everything and uh, anything uh, if somebody wants to know. I'm not going to force it upon them, but if somebody comes with a question to me, I'm, I'm happy to share what, you know, what I've learned from some of the best coaches or from experiences that I've had where I made mistakes and I 
Uh, sometimes the best way to learn is making mistakes. So I, th I think that's the great thing in golf that we do pass on these things to the next generation. And, uh, you know, we, we don't hold back. Uh, and I, I love that, especially out here on the champions tour, the camaraderie is just uh, second to none. We sit 77 days from the start of the Masters, from the start of Augusta National showcasing one of the great events in our sport. What are your goals for Augusta this year? Well, that course is getting awfully long for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hitting two hybrids into many pot fours where these guys hit nine irons, and, and uh, it's tough to compete against uh, such odds. But I, I love the challenge. I love the golf course. I've had some success there and know my way around, but it becomes harder every year. There's no doubt about it. As the young guys get longer and I get shorter. Uh, but, you know, first of all, it, it would be amazing to make the cut and to be in contention would be uh, even more amazing. So my goals are to have fun most of all, enjoy just playing the beautiful golf course and, and uh, embrace the atmosphere that is, you know, again, wonderful there at Augusta every year. Uh, they do such a great job running that tournament and, and it's so much fun attending the past champions dinner and other things they do, including the past three contests. Well, Bernard Langer has a lot of game. He also has a lot of knowledge. Let's flash back to a previous Quiz the Champ with Bernhard Langer. It's time to quiz the champ, Oh, love this. Time to quiz the champ. You were the first number one player in the world. So how many weeks did you hold the top spot? I think it was three weeks. Ding! All right, next question. Your second all-time on the European Tour wins list. How many wins on the European tour do you own? 42. Mm. I mean, Jackie Robinson. Hey, listen, you can mix it up. Same number said, as PGA he Tour said 43. Nah, he knows. a lot of playoffs. All right, so th this, this one we'll see. This is maybe the most curveball we've got. This is basically your tuna salad sandwich, like you answered off the top. Right. Who is the That's first here. player to finish runner-up to you on the European tour? The first player you beat on the European tour. Could it be Brian Barnes? Oh, yes! Five-shot win, Dunlop Masters. I mean, that's amazing. He's pretty, pretty good. We might want to change this segment to quiz the Langer. Uh, we have a couple more questions for you, pal. So you were the original world number one when the official World Golf Ranking debuted. What year was that? That would have been 1986. I mean, that yeah. auto, auto, auto yeah. win there. We knew that was going to happen. All right, in 2014, you won the Senior Open in wire-to-wire -wire fashion, equaled the second biggest winning margin in major championship history. What was your winning margin? Ooh. Uh-oh. 13? Oh! He, he did that just for drama. You know, he's like, he's, like, he's like watching the guy in Jeopardy that always does the, yeah. oh, I know the answer. All right, one more. Now, this is near and dear to my heart. I covered the Olympics in 2018. Which German biathlete and two-time Olympic champion announced her retirement in 2019 at the age of 25? No idea. We got him. We got him. We got him. We, it's we a non-golf question. We got him. I don't think it's fair. We Who had to go outside. I'm Laura, Laura Dahlmeyer. Laura Dahlmeyer from Germany. That's okay. I mean, that's what we had to do. 
That's how we get him off his game. Only way. Yeah. I, I, We're just I've gonna... heard of her, but I didn't ring a bell right there. That's a, it's a little unfair. Yeah. Next time we'll ask him all baseball questions. See how he does. Is that fair? Exactly. Exactly. Bro, we go. always appreciate the time, my man. Thanks so much for joining us. Can't wait to chat with you soon. Thanks, Damon Shane. Take take care and uh, keep up the good work. Enjoy Hawaii, yes. by the way. Hawala. <laughs> love it. Did you see this? I'm Jim Furyk. 2020-2021 Rookie of the Year, thanks to three wins last season on PGA Tour Champions, 68.84 scoring average, wow. was the best on tour last season. Congrats to a man that went to a really, really elite college. Great university down in Tucson, Arizona. Did you know that? I think I did. Yeah, University of Arizona, the one yeah, I'm yeah. talking about. Don't get to brag a lot about it.